The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Wednesday. That's right. It's still hump day, even though we are on a holiday week. But that's right. It's Wednesday, September 6th. And today is National Coffee Ice Cream Day and National Read a Book Day. Not a lot of things going on today, but those two things are going on. And thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code up there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and uh, ultimately audio only on uh, some uh, other platforms. Once we get our technical things worked out, we need to develop a little... Uh, little app for OBS, and then we'll be off to the races on all these other platforms. And seeing as how, I guess today, I mean, yesterday was National Show Up Late Day, right? Do you remember this, Adam? Do you remember, am, I, am I correct on this? Yesterday was National Show Up Late Day. Apparently, to everyone heard that message and is today because uh, Rico is late today. And we also have Mandy and Luke that will be joining us in studio today, and they are running late also. But... Rico, are you with us? I see you down there, but I don't see you, hear you. All right, well, nonetheless, I'm going to kick off my story, Dale, and then we'll get to the dope dad, I guess, later on this morning when he figures out whatever he has going on. All right. Point of contention, I wasn't late. You were not late. That is correct, Dale. You were here right on time. You were here actually early, here for sound check and everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. Lawyers show up on time. I'm with that. Look at that. Oh, we'll get a bill. Oh, Don't Rico, worry. you're with us. You are with us, Rico. Let me go a second. I gotta get my get my thing together. Here. Oh, I bet you got to get your thing I, together. I, I bet. I bet you got to get. We had, to, you we, had a, we had a daycare. We had a daycare. At least the thing. Mm -hmm. there you yeah, go. he's got a thing. Apparently. Apparently. Uh, thing, thing, thing. All right. Well, I'm gonna tell you guys right now. My story. First off, I just full disclaimer warning. My story comes from the fake news media. That's right, CNN. Okay, Rico. Fake news media, CNN, and and I think that this this study is definitely put out by a bunch of prohibitionists because man, wait till you read this or wait till you hear this, because serious traffic accidents due to marijuana use rise after legalization. A study finds. 
Being stoned behind the wheel can be more dangerous than driving drunk in Canada, where adult-use cannabis was legalized in 2018, according to a new study. Oh, of course, this was a Canadian study. Documented marijuana-related traffic accidents that required treatment in an emergency room rose 475% between 2010 and 2021, the study found. Car crashes due to drunk driving grew only 9.4% during the same period, although the raw numbers of alcohol-related accidents was in the thousands, not the hundreds, as with cannabis. These guys are crazy. In a quote, the concern is that the increase in these rare but very severe traffic injuries are capturing broader trends of increasing cannabis-impaired driving over time and after legalization, uh, said study author Dr. Daniel Moran, uh, assistant professor of family medicine at the University of Ottawa. Just after Canadian legalization in 2018, when marijuana stores and products were limited, researchers found a 94% increase in emergency room visits. Moran said, as commercialization increased and marijuana was more widely available, visits to the emergency room grew 233% compared to the period before adult-use cannabis was legalized. In a quote, the main message of this very well-conducted study is not the absolute number of crashes, but the increased rates. Cannabis is also probably underreported in car crashes, and so the absolute number might be way higher, said Dr. Marco uh, Sol Solmany, Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Ottawa and investigator at Ottawa Hospital Research Institute in Canada. In Canada, He was not involved in the study. Car crashes involving weed were serious. In marijuana-involved accidents, nearly 90% of the victims arrived by ambulance, the study found. When an alcohol or cannabis was involved, the number of people that required an ambulance dropped by 40%. Well, that's because they're drunk and they're super flexible. In, in addition, nearly 50% of marijuana users in a car accident required hospital admission compared to just over 6% of those who did not use. Intensive care admissions were also higher. Nearly 22% of accidents involving those driving while stoned needed intensive care compared to just less than 2% of crashes without alcohol or cannabis involvement, according to the study published Wednesday in the journal JAMA Network Open. And in another quote, because of the way that companies that, that cannabis impacts driving performances, it reduces reaction time, decreases the ability to focus or pay attention to multiple events, and may increase risk-taking behavior. People who are cannabis-impaired while driving may be driving faster, noticing hazards later, and decelerating slower, a recipe for getting into more severe traffic collisions and requiring higher levels of care, Moran said in an email. Well, we all know that's fake because uh, the University of Michigan did a study about that, and they actually proved that uh, cannabis actually, you are less likely to drive erratically, and you're more likely to stop longer at a stop sign as opposed to what this doctor's claiming, but who knows? Maybe things are different up there in Canada. They also say, while the new study was specific to Canada, the problem is happening around the world in areas where adult-use cannabis is legal, according to a recent umbrella review of more than 100 clinical trials and meta-analysis on the pros and cons of marijuana. In a quote, the general perception of cannabis as a natural, harmless plant is probably misleading young, subject, young subjects that end up consuming high-THC products with untowards events including car crashes, said Salami, who co-authored the review via email. 
THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinol, which is part of the cannabis plant that produces a high. And in addition to car crashes, persons using cannabis are at increased risk of poor cognitive performance, which might contribute to a car crash and failing education and a risk of mental disorders, Salami said. Man, this guy is just a big prohibitionist. I bet you this is paid for by Project Sam. But nonetheless, driving under the influence of alcohol has been the decline in the United States, but the last National Highway Traffic Safety Emission Report from 2014 found a 48% increase in drivers testing positive for marijuana, and an updated report from the NHTSA is expected in 2024. And this thing goes on and on and on, and you can read the full article on our website at www.highat9news.com. But in the essence of time... I'm going to pause on the re- reading the rest of this article because this is just more prohibitionist rhetoric, in my opinion. And I want to hear what Dale and Rico have to say in regards to all of this prohibitionist talk about drugged driving that I don't believe is a real problem. But apparently it's a real problem in Canada, according to this doctor. And this is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News Hour. What do you all think about this? Well, there's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. And this is all based on statistics. And if you don't start testing people for weed after accidents, you have no idea what the history was. All of a sudden, you go from one or two people. Now we've got 10. Oh, my God, we've got a 1,000% increase. But, Dale, Dale, that gives you a false positive because weed will stay in your system for up to 30 days. And if if you're in a car accident, you could have smoked 29 days ago, and then now all of a sudden they're still charging you with 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 drug driving. Well, and that's part of the problem is that is it is the accident caused by someone under the influence of cannabis or are they sitting there and some drunk runs in the back of them and they test positive and oh, you're going to go to jail too because you're you know, got a certain level. A lot of this is just scare tactics and nonsense. Mm-hmm. It is possible for someone to be impaired with cannabis and you should never drive an automobile when you're prepared. I mean, when you're impaired. I agree I with you on that. I agree with you on that. I do agree with you on that. But I'm just saying that that just just smoking a joint or taking a bong rip or whatnot does not necessarily mean that you are too impaired to drive a vehicle. Well, we we look at causation for accidents, mm-hmm. and your headline says it's due to marijuana. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Does that mean that marijuana impairment caused the accident? You know what I bet it is, Dale. I bet it is. You know what I bet it is. I bet it's the government dropping out bales of marijuana from helicopters in the sky, which is what federal judges believe how marijuana is produced. And therefore, these are just dropping in the middle of the road and causing accidents, and that's how they're getting those numbers. Well, we face this in many places where there someone is is uh, criminally charged for being under the influence of marijuana. They want to use five nanograms as that presumed level, and it's bullshit. It doesn't work that way. And so now we need to take a look at what's actually causing these accidents. I mean, in my in my opinion. Driving around texting is much more dangerous than someone being, you know, smoking a yep. joint and heading for the highway. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other issue. It, it's just, it's, um, it's headlines they want people to jump at. Uh, people have been driving high with marijuana for decades. Exactly. Decades. How come in the 60s, that? 70s, and 80s you never heard of any car accidents that were caused due to marijuana? Even in the 90s, you never heard of any accidents that were uh, caused by caused by marijuana. And you had the whole scare campaigns of the uh, 
uh, whatever, you know, they would do the commercials. Uh, this is your brain on drugs, you know, all, all of those. And they even had one where the kids were smoking in a car and going through like a Wendy's drive through. And then like they were all super, 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 super high. And all of a sudden they, they crashed into a little girl on a bicycle. Right. It's, it's not reality. No, the problem continues to be alcohol and driving. Agreed. It's hands down the problem. Okay. So now we've got some other issues and people want to talk about statistics. Well, you know, what I'm interested in is how many accidents are actually caused by people being impaired from cannabis. I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. When you run to the hospital and go, oh, I'm in intensive care because, you know, there was act, there was uh, marijuana involved in an accident. That doesn't tell me anything because I've litigated these cases before. Who caused it? Who's responsible? Why did you have this problem? This is headlines. It's just, it's throwing bullshit out there and hoping people will think it's red meat and chew on it. You know what I think, Dale? I think I think that this study in Canada, they, they produced the numbers in the same uh, mechanism that they produced the numbers during the pandemic. You know, Jason, well, as I, I said, I really, statistics I really like... can be turned into whatever you want them to be. That's the problem with them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I really don't like uh, quoting your favorite person on earth, Jason. <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> had a valid You're quoting me, he, Rico? He, 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 your favorite person <laughs> on earth. The not one, the not two, the not three, but the, the four-time indictment champion of the world. The fundraising champ. Yeah, he, he did he did have a a valid point when he said that um you're gonna have a lot less positive COVID uh people if you stop testing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a lot more if you start testing them. That's the problem I have with this report. Yeah, this this it, it, uh, yeah, like so yeah, yeah, guy correlation does not equate to causation mm-hmm. here and i think that's exactly what they're doing and in, 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 uh, with these numbers and there is no way of proving like uh, going back in time and proving that you know like, like these numbers are changing because you weren't testing people before maybe so maybe people have uh, their system now does not mean anything do you think do you think possibly in canada that causation is uh you know what i'm saying creates the you know do you think it you think it works the opposite way in canada rico that correlation is causation. You know what I mean? Your little saying. Right you not. I, I, it violates I, I, all the laws of logic. Well, I mean, everything that uh, I mean, Canada, the whole the whole Canada, Canada violates a lot of laws of logic. <laughs> well, that can be said about us in this country right now too. So be careful where you. I mean, start I, digging shit up. I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm here for it, Dale. I'm here. You know what I mean? I'm I'm here. I'm here this to get dirty and yeah. yeah, throw some mud around. Yeah. Well, this this type of propaganda doesn't help anybody. I mean, it it makes headlines, but it's being funded by somebody or being blown up by somebody. And I'd be more suspicious of who's the source of all this stuff than statistics themselves. Who's blowing this thing up? Project Sam, probably America's number one prohibitionist organization is who I would bet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, scrolling down, just like look at look at who is sponsoring this story right just like follow the money sometimes it's as it's, it's easy mm-hmm. as that if you look at the ads on uh if you look at the ads on the page like whoever is uh funding this story right here mm-hmm. if you go in or who actually wrote this story um sandy lamont wrote the story and then who was doing the study uh, mm-hmm. did it say that jason um, it's, it's, so, this, this was put together. Were, this you, is put together by Iowa Canadians, bro. This is, hold on. This is put awesome. together by Canadians. 
is put together by Canadians. So or the JAMA J A M A network open. I was like, go go find out who those people are. And if they're a nonprofit, like a lot of the times if they're a nonprofit, it lists who their donors are. You can mm -hmm. see exactly who's funding these. And so uh, my, my favorite thing to do is when I would see those American Heart Association, um, the American Heart Association uh, stories talking about mm -hmm. cannabis is bad for like heart health. Um, just because something says it's American Heart Association doesn't mean does not mean that it's a reputable uh, source. If you go to the American Heart Association and uh, even on their Wikipedia page, they have links to their donor page and you can see that big beef is their number one is the, <laughs> the number one funder. And then if you look That's on um, the recipes, isn't that a rapper? Isn't that a rapper? Big beef? Beef stew. <laughs> beef stew is actually their top recipe and uh, where you have like more links of red meat and heart disease uh, being linked to heart disease and cannabis, but you're putting out this bullshit story. So um, generally with uh, studies like this that are obviously prohibitionist studies, um, I like to go check for the sources and you, they're generally not that hard to find, especially with people with uh, names that, uh, that seem like they're super official, but just because they have a lot of marketing dollars does not mean uh, that it is official, does not mean it's good information that's being put out there. Uh, we've been living in a propaganda state since what, World War One. <laughs> it's only getting worse with the more information that's out there. Uh, just make sure you check your sources. And uh, before these things get circulated around, um, follow the money. Simple as that. Are you telling me you don't like props, Rico? Dude, I love propaganda. Dude. All right. I love living. Right. I'm like you. You know that. I'm just like you. Oh, Chaos man. is a ladder. Yes. And look, and Mandy and Luke just joined us today. Yes. Hey. yes. Oh, yes. Hi, everybody. Oh, yeah. They were fighting this L.A. traffic. You know, it's real thick out there, especially on a holiday weekend when everybody has gone out of town. And No, it was crazy. Yeah, there was, no, it wasn't man, even right? that. No, it wasn't even that. It was crazy. There was bales of weed that were getting the dropped the from the sky. Came out middle of, of the road. Causing accidents, it was crazy. See, uh, this is this is all part of that Canadian study I was telling you about. This is the this is this is how all these marijuana traffic accidents are happening. Yeah, it was it crazy. Is, it is. Yeah, Man, you sure, you sure wasn't a, a bunch of like, like crazy stoners like out of their mind out there to crash into people, run over children. Is, 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 is you sure? No, nah, the listen. These were C one thirties. I think Rick Ross was sitting <laughs> co-pilot. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh, man. On the on the LA's on that, we got we got to go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet, Rico. I bet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up next, we have the dope dad himself. He is a professional excuse maker on top of a professional daycare extraordinaire. That's right. It is the dope yes. dad himself. That's right. It is Rico Lameet. You all right, Rico? I hope I don't oh. have any boogers because my camera's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just gonna get the full frontal view of just my up and close face here. So um an anti-cannabis coalition is accusing the state of New York of money laundering. 
do they have a case? I'm glad we have Dale on board with us today here for this one. So the Cannabis Impact Prevention Coalition filed a federal lawsuit against the New York, uh, against the state of New York and state of uh, uh, Office of Cannabis Management, the OCM, challenging the legality of the $200 million cannabis social equity fund that was established to help open more cannabis retail shops. It's the second lawsuit filed by the group, uh, the prohibitionist group. Um, challenging New York's legalized uh, marijuana market. In June, the coalition filed a case in the, uh, in the state Supreme Court in Albany uh, that seeks to overturn the 2021 law that legalized cannabis altogether. Uh, the civil complaint compares the state's assertion about the industry, including its prescribed medical uses to tobacco companies that made fraudulent claims about their products. And the more recent case filed uh, in the US District Court of Albany, the coalition likens the state's cannabis shops to drug trafficking operations and notes the dormitory authority of, of the state of New York, which oversees the equity fund and the financing and siting of di, uh, dozens of retail shops is essentially facilitating the opening of uh, cannabis outlets that remain, quote, remain subject to federal prosecution, violating the Federal Controlled Substance Act. <laughs> Here's what they said. It is unlawful to knowingly open, lease, rent, maintain, or use property for manufacturing, storing, or distribution of controlled substances. Uh, DASNY normally finances, designs, and builds health and education infrastructure. Ironically, DASNY would instead become the biggest cannabis trafficking landlord in New York. <laughs> the lawsuit is among numerous court cases that have challenged the legality and constitutionality of the state's legalized marijuana marketplace, including the licensing of and social equity funding systems that have prioritized individuals with past marijuana. The social equity fund plan was established last year, but had been months behind its deadlines. It at one point appeared to be falling apart. Uh, but back in July, a Chicago firm pledged to invest up to $150 million in the fund, breathing life into the rollout of an industry that has been plays and setbacks. State officials say that the investment by Chicago LLC will augment $50 million in state funding to help finance turnkey retail shops uh, that are being set up in fast cannabis convictions. The state issued more than 170 condition, uh, conditional adult use retail license, or, or as Jason calls them, curds, uh, from the 300 that were allocated. But only 16 retail shops have opened um, across New York, far short of the 100 or so that the state officials had hoped would open by this summer. Now, this one goes on forever, but uh, I want to I want to truncate that and uh, just ask Dale, since we have you on here, <laughs> do these guys even have a chance with this lawsuit? Did no. you say did you say trumpicate? Truncate. Oh, OK. All right. Just want to make sure. OK. It's right. probably you, a new chart is going to pick up. Are you uh, no. copywriting that? Trumpicate? Trumpicate. Yeah, I think we should. Trumpicate. Uh, yeah. we, we had this battle in California years ago. In fact, I think it was 2008 when Cal Normal, San Diego Normal, excuse me, was sued uh, trying to preempt mm -hmm. any advances of California's cannabis laws in, in San Diego County. And the court said, hang on, federal law is not exclusive. It's shared with the state. So the states have the power do whatever they want to do, and the feds can come in and enforce, which then led to, as Jason knows, the Rohrbacher Far Amendment, yep. and nah, you fuckers can't spend money now to go mm -hmm. after people who are state legal. And so that battle's been fought, and out in our, our district, we have the McGinnis case that stopped the federal prosecution because they were spending funds before they established it violated state law. 
So we have some precedent now, and this is one of those Hail Marys. Let's see if we can get them under federal you know, money laundering. And I, I would think that um, spending provisions we've got out there uh, would be used as sort of a shield to help stop them from coming after you under federal law, because you, you just should not be able to do this now. We're in one of those transition periods where they want to beat the drum of the federal law. And the federal law does not um, preempt the states from doing what they want, but the states can't stop the feds from doing what they want. So there's the conundrum they're in. I don't think this is going to work. Quick, quick, quick question. Quick question, Rico. Do you think that yeah. all of the investors that were supposed to invest into the social equity program knew about this, and that's the reason they never put the funds in? Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. I'm, I, I think they just, just paid Ruben Daniels and, um, and uh, Chris Weber's uh, um, people. They just paid them whatever mo- well, amount of money, well, and they well, just took their word that they had. Well, when you're investing, no, you want to look at the books, right? Absolutely. Chomping at the bit. When you're, in, uh, that, yeah. when you're investing, you want to look at if the books, right, investor, Rico? If you're a smart investor, you want to look at the books, well, right? Always. Okay. And you so, always want to look at the opportunity. If we're talking about $200 million, right? Yeah. Come on, $200 million. Mm-hmm. The people that are willing to put up that money, they are conservative investors. They're usually traditional investors. And if you look at the cannabis market as a whole, it's a bad investment. Well, I, I agree with you, you on that. Have, so let's just let's just say let's just say they're models. not at, they're not as conservative. Let's just say they're more they're they're more risk adverse in regards with investing. Okay. Okay. They're less because, risk averse. Yeah, there, there, we, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Use your professional yeah language there we let's go just, yeah let's, let's just say that they're wilding there's a bunch of bitcoin <laughs> a big yeah. billionaires like looking to drop a cash yeah sam bankman right? sam, sam bankman freed sam bankman freed said that he was going to put 200 million money. bitcoin into this okay one of those okay and yeah. and then he went and he looked and he saw he's like new york they're already laundering money out of their new york coffers why would we put 200 million dollars into this you don't think that's possible well well, if they were traditional investors, that's probably what the first thing that they said. Okay, all right, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Federal, this is not federally. Yeah. So it's this possible. This is not federally legal, so I'm not going to touch it. Okay. So, but if it's if it's these uh, if, if it's um, a, a very risk heavy uh, investor, if it's somebody who is not immune to that kind of risk, and they're going to uh, they're looking to put money in it, um, I think what happened was the the people who gave the authority to uh, Ruben Daniels and Chris Weber and them. Uh, they just believed them without checking, without checking their mm-hmm. receipts, right? Okay. Like, oh yeah, we got two hundred. We got people who are put in, uh, who will put in two hundred million dollars. And it's okay. Show us the names, right? Uh, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing on the tail end of this, uh, but the reality is, like, if you say you're going to put two hundred million dollars before you even make that announcement to these people, getting their hope up, make sure that everything checks out. Right. Uh, just because a dude's a, a former NBA player doesn't mean he has two hundred million dollars of his friend's money waiting uh, to be invested into cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, the, the people just did not do their due diligence. And um, I was more surprised uh, from the beginning of this because New York is, a, is an investor heavy state. All the money that goes in there uh, it, into New York's coffers is coming from savvy investors. So for them to even put out that information without doing their due diligence, that was a, a, a huge, huge snafu on their part uh, in my eyes. Um, but I just know that uh, no traditional investors are going to be doing anything unless it's publicly traded. Um, if you have some throwaway money that you made over COVID or whatever, like maybe you might throw that in there uh, 
less than 5% of your portfolio in there to see, uh, let it ride and see how, see how it works out. But what chances are they're still going to be put into conservative vehicles like the now defunct Poseidon uh, ETF <laughs> or the index <laughs> fund. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> that's oh, that's man. generally where you're going to see a lot more of that investor money from a savvy investors. Um, generally, people who are going to be if they don't if they're not on the ground, uh, they don't have their own skin in the game. They don't have their own beliefs uh, to put in it. Chances are, savvy investors are not going to be looking um, at cannabis um, the same way they look at other stocks. They're going to look at at that an extremely high risk. Uh, section of their portfolio, they're not going to be looking at it um, uh, as a main thing. High, so, high risk. Um, I think. High a, I think. Risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these guys. I, I agree with you, Dale. I don't think these guys. I don't think you guys have a shot in hell. Uh, this lawsuit going anywhere. But I think it's. Uh, I, think, I just think it's kind of funny uh, that they're all hot and bothered about this. this is the second lawsuit that they're, uh, they're, they're 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 posing there, and there's always going to be a bunch of prohibitionists uh, saying that you know you guys are endangering the children. It's federally illegal. Um, this is 100% money laundering, and the government is sponsoring it. Mm-hmm. You know what? Does government anyone... sponsors murder. Government sponsors a bunch of other shit, too. Are uh, you going to sue them for that? How dare <laughs> you? You're not going to win. The audacity. Does anyone right. else think that New York just needs to, like, take away their program and start back from scratch? They should. <laughs> they should start. I think the whole yeah. should. Just cancel everything. Well, start yeah. over. I mean. You need to chew a couple Xanax yeah. bars and settle down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, take it back to the Prop 215 days. Just don't lock anybody up. Yeah. I'm good with that. How about you know that? What I'm saying? Nobody I mean, I mean they, they had it they had it like that prior to them to them starting their legalization, technically. I mean, the, every bodega was open as soon as they as soon as the beginning of the year, as soon as they said, Hey, no one's gonna get arrested for smoking weed and you can smoke weed on your porch step. Yeah. Yeah, they had advertised or not advertised, mm-hmm. but there was uh, news footage of police officers standing outside of wherever, like a restaurant with mm-hmm. their their cars and people just like smoking right in front of them to see what was gonna happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was like, hey, you know what I mean? We're gonna smoke near the cops. Why now, not? Let's get our let's get our Instagram flex on for the day. Now, Dale, um, I'm gonna and, tee and this up. Very interesting. I'm gonna tee this Down up to a, a brighter legal mind than mine. But wouldn't the appropriations amendment be able to be the rider to the appropriations amendment be able to be invoked here? If I mean, if the if you're following state law in a state that has recreational cannabis. Um, the feds can't prosecute you right now. So wouldn't that be a dead issue off the rip, or am I not looking at that? Well, Luke, it looks like they're going to state court, which is a whole different argument. If you're in federal court, then you have the the argument of Rohrbach or whatever is Blumenau or McClintock, whatever. Yeah, Blumenau or McClintock now, yes. If you're in state court, each state has a RICO statute, each state has money laundering statutes, but if the state legalizes something, it pokes a huge hole in your state case. If the state says it's legal and you're saying, oh, you're money laundering, well, I'm money laundering an illegal business. Now, you know, figure that one out. Mm-hmm. I think they're just pissing up a rope here, but they're trying to make a lot of headlines, <laughs> and that's that. what a lot of people want to do. They you are. know, it's funny. Yeah. I, one of One of my... Executive assistants got a money laundering charge for see back when we when we opened our dispensary when it was still, real back when it was bank, real you could yeah. still bank for the first part of it like the first year of us doing the dispensary the banks were still letting us letting us bank with them right so the mm-hmm. our executive assistant just went down and deposited a bank from our normal day drop to our bank our business account mm-hmm. and got a money laundering offense for it federal yeah. federal money laundering offense for it yeah so. They dropped it. The only reason they dropped it. Now, this is interesting, America. Re- listen to this. The only reason they dropped it is because money laundering is a crime of an intent. 
mm-hmm. and you have to prove that they knew that the proceeds came with, from, from, from illicit, illicit from illicit source. Yeah. So then we were going to be able to enter in all of our medical cannabis defense because mm-hmm. we were going to say no. If this they, is, yeah, if they, and so they were like, they, they came to a they, screeching they call. That, and yeah. Like, oh, you know what? Catch Go ahead 22. And drop that money laundering. We don't really want that anymore. Yep. <laughs> yep. An inconvenient truth is what it was. You're going to have your pants pulled down if you go after this. So let's just—it's a throwaway charge, and they typically overcharge. So yeah, the IRS—the IRS thought it was interesting when I wrote my first write-off on my taxes as a theft. They found that to be pretty entertaining <laughs> as well. But uh, they actually changed the tax code in 2013 because of my case. So then that way, no other cannabis company could write off a raid as a theft or any of that anymore. It but, was definitely a theft. So yes. next time your spot gets hit and you can't write it off, blame Jason. You can Beck. blame me. That's fine. I'm totally, I'm good with it, man. I take, I'll take all the arrows all day. No problem. All good with that. Blame Beck. Yes. But coming up next, we have everyone's favorite foul mouth uncle who did time for a cannabis crime. That's right. It is Mr. Attorney, founder, and partner of our model law practice. It is Mr. Dale Schaefer. Schaefer, Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. And if you're on the East Coast, good afternoon. Um, my story today comes out of the Law 360. The headline is, Pot Company says landlords duped it into leasing faulty space. I grabbed this because our firm has multiple of these cases that we're handling right now. And it's a failure of due diligence uh, at its core. Uh, it seems that and I don't want to make sure I get their names right. Falcon Enterprises LLC leased a bunch of land and buildings from several groups. You can read them, and they they have names in them. I call these you know nonsensical. Let's make up a name and get an LLC for it. But they own buildings and land. And going in, a landlord was told that we're going to grow weed here. We're going to manufacture. So there are certain requirements. Now, this is out of Adelanto, and if you don't know where this is, it's out, you know, Southern California, it's hot, not a lot of water out there. And so what I've done in this very city and in other cities like this, is I come in with a contractor, and they first look, where's water, wet hookups, they call it, where's electricity, how much is there, where's the roads in there, where's law enforcement, ingress, egress, and then we go to the buildings, and my contractor goes in, he looks at the building, makes sure it's been upgraded, that uh, it meets sequel requirements. They'll take a look at the permits and make sure that you've pulled permits for everything um, so you don't buy a pig in a poke. Because what apparently happened here is representations were made that the building will meet codes and blah, 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 blah. It turns out it didn't. It was bullshit. So that's a due diligence failure on the part of someone coming in to lease a building. Now, these have been problems from the gate. When we first started back in 2018, my clients were paying 250 a square foot triple net just to get a lease. And you had to deal with any bullshit in that building that was on you. Now, landlords are having to look for clients to come in and take over their buildings. Now, whenever you come in and get a use permit, they take a look at whether the building has been upgraded. And that's where you get killed. If you're gonna manufacture, you gotta bring in a, an industrial hygienist to help build out your space to, to get fire uh, marshal uh, approval, and it looks like it didn't. It wasn't going to pass here for fire marshal approval. So there's pieces of these puzzles that if you don't ask the right questions, uh, people will lie to you. I mean, surprise, surprise, people will fucking lie to you. They'll blow smoke up your ass, and then you sign the lease. The next thing you know, you know you can't do what you want to do in there. And now you're suing for fraud, 
And that's at the heart of this, that false representation intended to make someone rely on it, and then you're damaged by it. It looks like that's what they're claiming here. Now, it's going to be an ongoing discussion. This is an introduction. This is a complaint. It's only allegations. No one's proven shit yet. But this is not an uncommon phenomenon in the industry. Let me throw it back at you guys, your experience with lack of due diligence or doing your own due diligence and not ending up in this position. There you go. Well, man, I will tell you what, this is a familiar tale. Um, I, it is. Yeah, I, I had a, uh, I, I had a, a license that uh, Falcon was going to rent, and, and they knew of the status of, of where it was and how and, and what needed to be repaired and everything else like that. And they entered into a lease full-heartedly knowing all of the things that needed to be done. And then after the deal was signed and everything had been paid and whatnot, they're like, Oh no! Whoa, whoa, whoa! We can't do this. Whoa, whoa! We need to back out of this. This is not correct. This isn't ready. This isn't ready. And we, you guys, knew about everything. So this sounds like a total page out of what I have witnessed personally myself from Falcon. And so I think ultimately they are going to come up short in this lawsuit because I'm willing to bet that the other side is going to be able to prove that they made all the proper disclosures ahead of time. Well, let's hope so, because that should be part of your due diligence going in, making sure that this building will actually do what you want to do with it and not rely on what people tell you from the landlord side. Falcon was like, oh, yeah, no, no problem. We'll do whatever construction needs to be done. As long as you have this, which is what which is something that we had and and all of this. And then as soon as they get in there, oh, no, we can't do this. We need to it needs to be operable. And and they they pulled a total, total 180 after the whole deal was signed and done. And so I'm, I'm willing to bet that, 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 that this is just a, a page that they commonly play since, since, I, since I know that it happened to me. I'm willing to bet that this is something that they commonly do to a number of other people, too. There's all kinds of excuses we'll see when they to answer. back out of deals that they can't afford anymore. Exactly. exactly. And Falcon had money, oh. too, back then when I, had, when I had my deal. Buyer's with. remorse does not get you out of a, a contract you sign. Mm-hmm especially with eyes wide open. So make sure with your eyes wide open, you ask the right questions and take a whiff of the air and make sure that it's what you want. I remember when the Marley people bought that uh, that prison in Coalinga and they mm-hmm. went, holy shit, there's no electricity here. Like, well, okay, <laughs> you should have been doing the math of how much weeds are gonna grow and how much electricity you have on there because now you're gonna spend all this money to go bring it in. When, you, know, you you bought, you don't buy a pig in a poke. You should not buy a pig in a poke in this day. I thought it you was a- sniff. What's a pig in a poke? It's, 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 oh, it's, it's, it's oh, the game from National Lampoons when they got their trip to Europe. Pig in a poke. Oh, <laughs> yeah. got it. Okay. I'm with you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family's from Mississippi. I got all kinds of stupid fucking expressions <laughs> like that come out of my head. Listen, I love them. I love every one of them. Dale I think Dale is like the king of the one-liners right now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and full of bars, shit right man. up to my eyeballs, and I'm willing to admit it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. The constipated king, Mr. Dale Schaefer. Oh, goodness. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, on that, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation 
at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. It's YouTube's favorite thing, apparently. Also, too, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't subscribed already. And make sure you check out our website, www.highat9news.com, where you can see every single article that we cover here today, plus a whole lot more. Rico, you ready? Up next. Oh, yeah. She's a well-known industry expert, dedicated Mary Mama, and she's usually in North, uh, Northern California, but you know what? Carmen Sacramento got a call, and she's down yes. in the City of Angels. Here to break us off with a little bit of hump day love is Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being patient for us while we got here so late. It really was the weed in the road. Uh, bales of, <laughs> crazy, bales of weed. Bales. <laughs> you heard bales. it. Here Not Dales, but bales of weed. <laughs> Today, my headline bales reads Cannabis industry no longer riding high. Job losses, supply imbalances, dwindling profits hit sector. Bum, bum, bum. Western states such as California and Oregon are overflowing with cannabis, a supply glut that is driving down prices and sparking pleas for federal permission to sell marijuana across state lines. Pot users in New Jersey are facing the inverse, with consumers confronting high prices as trade groups accuse the state of slow walking licenses that could increase the number of cannabis operators supplying the legal market. A trade group said Colorado had its worst April sales period in five years, a month associated with big cannabis sales typically. The legal pot industry is experiencing growing pains from coast to coast after a decade of rapid growth fueled by legalization for nearly two dozen states. Industry representatives point to general stressors in the economy, including inflation and soaring interest rates. Venture funding is down and demand for marijuana eases after a pandemic-fueled surge among people trapped at home. There's definitely significant headwinds across the board, and part of that is oversupply in Western states, said Aaron Smith, co-founder and CEO of the National Cannabis Industry Association. The industry is really over-regulated, over-taxed, we know that, and we're competing against an existing underground market that's been thriving for decades. Turbulence in the pot industry is sparking calls for government rules that would allow interstate commerce and improve access to banking services. In turn, there is pushback from advocates who say legal pot is a failed experiment and doesn't need a bailout from state capitals or Washington. I don't think people are in violation of, I don't people think people who are in violation of federal law deserve any kind of congressional relief that would be like, or excuse me, that would be like saying we should give relief to those engaging in prostitution businesses in Las Vegas, said Luke Noriaftos, executive vice president at the Small, uh, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Much of the angst around legalization centered on the potential harm from products with high levels of THC, the active ingredient in cannabis, or fears of an increase in drug-influenced driving and accidents. The marijuana sector supported 400,117, 493 full-time equivalent jobs in just early 2023, but is now down 2% from a year ago, according to Vangst. 
Nearly after a decade of unbroken double-digit job growth, the cannabis industry collectively pressed pause on new hiring in 2022, the report said. On the East Coast, pot advocates say a small cabal of operators in New Jersey are keeping prices artificially high because they face little competition. The New Jersey Cannabis Trade Association released a late August memo that said more than 700 applications to operate cannabis businesses are, quote, still pending, leaving aspiring entrepreneurs unable to open their operations. Consequently, potential tax revenue that would greatly benefit the state is lost as it continues to flow through the illicit market, the association says. The New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission says individual businesses, including trade association members, set the prices that consumers face, consumers face and you need to work together. Out West, terrific growing conditions in Pacific states have led to marijuana surpluses that remain trapped within the state borders because of the federal ban on marijuana. States would like to send excess supply to legal programs in other states that have legalized pot. For now, they face dindling prices and profits. Earlier this year, the Associated Press reported that in places like Oregon, it's an open secret that some licensed growers have funneled product out of the state, out of the state and into the black market just to stay afloat. Industry players said that they hope the growing appetite for legalizing marijuana comes with a federal desire to let states shuffle their products around the country. When we're talking about reforms, interstate commerce is vitally needed, said Mr. Smith of the National Industry Group. Just ta- talking about prices being too high in New Jersey and the, eastern in, <clears throat> and the eastern states and too low on the western states, clearly there's a solution for that. One of the biggest complaints that any cannabis business has, particularly smaller and mid-sized businesses, is lack of access to capital. And this is almost entirely due to the fact that banks are discouraged from working with cannabis businesses because of outdated federal laws. Even if you're able to find a bank that's willing to work with you, oftentimes they charge exorbitant prices in order to provide those services much beyond what other businesses have to deal with. This is coming from Mr. Fox from Normal. Senators in both parties are championing a bill that would give cannabis industry access to banking without fear of penalties or high fees. You guys know what the Safe Banking Act talks about. And um, the marijuana industry group pointed to a red tape and the lack of cooperation from banks as a driver of the cannabis job losses in Colorado this year. MasterCard, for for instance, said that this year account holders could not use their debit cards at dispensaries. Year over year, increases in regulations and taxes continue to drive business costs up while inflation, purchase limits, and lack of merchant processing make it more difficult for patients and consumers to access cannabis, which drives them to the illicit market. This is a quote from the MIG executive director, Truman Bradley. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumann included safeguarding and cannabis banking on his to-do list for the fall, and is raising the likelihood that the Safe Banking Act will advance. Also, the Biden administration in late August told the Drug Enforcement Administration that it should move marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. The move, if accepted by the DEA, would not open the door to interstate sales, but would have a tangible impact in allowing pot operators to deduct business expenses like 280E. During a recent appearance on Newsmax, Representative Matt Gaetz, a Florida Republican, said that the issue, perhaps the worst decision made by the U.S. government in in 1970, was to begin the war on drugs through the Controlled Substances Act. 
Organizations that oppose the rush towards lax marijuana laws say it's time to reflect on whether the industry is good for Americans rather than bail it out. It's very clear this experiment has failed, Mr. Nafarado said. The black market is beating the legal market everywhere. He also stated that Mr. Schumer might be championing the safe banking measure, but even if it makes it out of the Senate, the GOP-led House won't make it a priority. He also pointed to voters in Oklahoma, Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota who rejected legalization matters. <clears throat> We've gotten to a point <clears throat> where it's less about, you know, the opposition coming in with their doom and gloom predictions of what the industry is going to do, Mr. Smith said. It's more about addressing the general congressional dysfunction and the end of political divisiveness that's impacting every issue in America. So you guys, this is obviously a nation of weed and crisis. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. Everybody's got strong opinions. What do you guys think is the top issue that is really killing everyone's economy, state from state, across the U.S.? This is Mandy coming at you from High Nine. Oh, yeah. Taxation. Well, no, the, 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 the yeah. thing is, is that it's not descheduled. That's the thing that's hampering. One thing, now, one thing is descheduling. Yeah. Taxes are a byproduct of the fact that it's not descheduled because otherwise it would be treated as an agricultural commodity. Yeah, but I mean, it, I think it really boils down to taxation. It boils down to the 280E not being able to. This is my problem with this kind of like framing of this of this article is that it, it almost like try to imply that the blame is paid placed on the cannabis industry for like its failures. Like it's just not a functional industry. It needs to be bailed out. Number one is if you were overtaxed up to yin yang, had these dumb rules and regulations, have companies that block their customers from being able to purchase at your stores and all this other stuff hurdles that they got to go, that they got have to get over. Right. Not to mention not having bank accounts and all these things. Right. So it's like, we try to like, Say, oh, it, it's, the, it's the industry, it's the industry. It's not the industry. No industry would be able to survive in those kind of conditions. No, yeah. no industry. What other industries are there that can only sell product within their own state of residence? Insurance is the only, is the only uh, commerce that is hampered by state lines. The insurance industry, which is why we have shitty insurance everywhere, and this ranges from everything from car insurance to your medical insurance. This is why... Um, we would need a f free and open market in regards to insurance. Like we should have hospitals across the country. That's that like one hospital that is like the best hospital for, uh, for, you know, heart surgery. And then all the specialists would go there. And then if you had to have someone that at heart surgery, you would go to that hospital wherever it is for your heart surgery. Yeah. And it would be a whole lot cheaper because they would be so, uh, so, 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 so dialed in with everything and, and it, it all be to a T and instead you have this whole hodgepodge of, of state systems across, across the country. And let me, let me, let me get on smart approaches to marijuana real quick. Project I Sam. cannot, I cannot let Sam off the hook on this and dude over there has my name on it. Luke, you suck over there. You shouldn't work over there. Uh, I, I said that you can come in the cannabis industry and be a real Luke. Mm -hmm. Um, number one, but, um, he, they're, they're saying, oh, we shouldn't bail out the, the marijuana industry. You have taken so much money from the marijuana industry. You yeah. wouldn't be bailing us out. You would be giving us a little bit of our money back is what you would be yeah. doing. That's so true. Let's, let's kill that yeah. bailout talk. It's not a bailout at all. <laughs> yeah. been, That's crazy. We've been paying everybody else's bailout yeah. for decades. Hold on, hold on. The only type of bailout that's been happening is the bails that were being dropped on the road that that's caused you guys correct. to be late today. Bailed right out the back Those of the C-130. Those weed bails. Just boom. 
all of a sudden you're hitting weed weed speed bumps. Right on Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Just rolling. Yeah. You got any you thoughts on this, Dale? Um, oh, go ahead. Well, Rico. I do, but um, you know, I, I was a history major in college and then studying the law. I go back and look at a few key individuals who were just racist, lying motherfuckers who put these laws in place. And we go back to 1914 here in California. And as you look at it, drugs were moralized and demonized. And that was a win for the government. Nixon, you know, this was for the hippies and heroin was against the blacks. And you look at how we got to where we are right now. And we have all this foot dragging everywhere by people who still drag up, oh, there's something wrong with someone who smokes weed or someone who indulges in drugs or someone who drinks. And if we stand for freedom in this country and I'm doing something that only hurts me and not you, what in the actual fuck does the government have doing being involved in my life? And that's my ultimate argument Mm -hmm. here, because where we are right now is moralizing, racializing drugs. And it's hard it's hard to break through this because my grandma was a church lady. Whenever you got her offended, she'd jump up and suck all the oxygen out of the room. And that's what you see here. You come forward with something that seems to make sense. And the church lady goes, oh, my God, we just can't have that. And everything comes to an end. And it just fucking drives me nuts. Because mm-hmm. I went to prison, and so did Luke, for this absolute fucking horseshit. You know, and you can't get those years back. Now, if you want me to say something good about it, I'm, I'm looking for Because I got clients that are just struggling to stay their head above water. Where, where I live, we got 150 cannabis cultivation permits authorized by the voters. We have three, four years later. Okay? And so it's like no one's trying to make this work on the government side. They're just not. Um, um, Jason, I think you hit the, you hit the nail uh, right on the head about the uh, descheduling. Mm-hmm. I think descheduling yeah. would, would solve a lot of our issues. If, if we if we had uh, cannabis know, descheduled, uh, we wouldn't have 280E, right, to your point, Luke. We right. also wouldn't have a lot of inflated taxes because a lot of these these would be able to be repealed based off the fact that it's not part of the Controlled Substances Act anymore, yeah. and, it's, yeah. and it's gross here, over-taxation. Here's, 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 here's the thing. Like, like, cannabis has already proven itself to be a recession-proof uh, industry. Uh, the, thing that, uh, the one thing this article is ignoring is regular economic cycles. Um, Thanks to Obama and Donald Trump, we've had artificial uh, economic cycles. So we've been thinking that everything's going to keep on going up. <coughs> uh, the, the economy expands and it contracts, uh, right? But um, if uh, 2020 and the pandemic was any indicator, like cannabis is a recession-proof uh, industry. The problem is because it's still scheduled, uh, you have a, a, a few things that are hampering us. Um, one, cost of goods and operations is skyrocketing we're still in a, in a hyperinflationary period right but um, we're we're not immune to that but we can't write anything off on our taxes uh, number two yeah. um because we're saying oh the prices are being commoditized right yeah yeah they're being commoditized but it's still federally illegal so it's not a commodity right so you can't price it properly so you have a bunch of operators that are following each other um instead of following and instead of using the right data prop, uh, processes to find out exactly what their customers want and not just being uh, customers themselves and buying mm-hmm. everything and putting it out on the shelves. So well, you, they're going into debt. They have too much, too many SKUs on their shelves. They don't know how to properly price uh, the product. They can't bank uh, properly. And then you can't even market the pro- uh, the products properly. You have to having to deal with that uh, too. So it's, it's, it's all messed up. And I would say 80% of the stuff can be remedied by just descheduling it. 
So here, here, here here's yeah. the here's the next thing. So 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 we all agree that cannabis is currently a recession proof yeah. business. The question is, right. does cannabis remain a recession proof business if it is moved to Schedule Three? And I would say that it would not. Yeah. It would no longer be a recession proof business if moved to Schedule Three. How do you figure? Well, the black market would be recession proof because that's where yeah. they're buying their weed. I, well, yeah, yeah, but we're we're, we're talking about the, the the like the the, the the industry that's employing people on taxes and everything. We're not talking about the trap market in regards to this because the trap market would go through the roof and that would be all that there was left. And that's part of my point. Well, see, this is the the part of this argument I think that is overlooked a lot is consumption of cannabis does not go down at all, and even in in rougher times it usually goes up. So consumption is, is, is on a rise, it's on an incline, um, and it even spikes higher during you know, recessions and, and tough times. So what I, I would go to say that it will continue to be a, a, uh, well, no, no, no. The, here, here, here's my point, because 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 I, I I'm with you on what you're saying, right? But what I'm saying is this: is that if it's a Schedule Three drug, then all of a sudden all Schedule Three drugs have to be administered through a pharmacy. So therefore, no dispensary could be in operation under that. Okay, and you would only have the trap market out there selling weed. Okay, now hold on. Now that's I was, a reality. I, there, we'll, we'll dive deeper into this ladies and gents that are listening out there. Um, but the, the schedule three argument, there's a lot of like uh, stuff getting added into it that I think people are missing the forest for the trees. So, and this is what I mean by that is there's not going to be any like, um, you know, pharmacists that have to be involved. If it goes schedule three, there's yeah, not going to be, there's yes. not, hold on, hear me out, hear me out. There's not going to be any of those uh, skews that have to be approved or the attorney general gets to pick who has the, who, who gets to be a dispensary. And this is why the federal government does not recognize any of those things. Schedule three does not legalize cannabis. Cannabis is still illegal. A dispensary, all your skews, all of those things that you think like have to be, those are not even in existence in the federal government. Those are all of federal offenses is what they are. So like if you take, Oxycontin, you go out onto the street, that's a Schedule 3 narcotic, and you go sell it on the corner, right? You will go to prison. I promise you that. So if being a Schedule 3, like, it has some benefits. It has the 280E. It has those other things, right? But it does not change the legality of cannabis. So all of those arguments about, like, who the government could pick and all that, all those things have to be done in an FDA trial. Those trials have to be approved. They have to be approved by the government. And then you can start to have some of the pharmaceutical companies that can start to do testing on those. But those trials and those things haven't even ever been done. And those are years out. Like those processes that happened with the vaccinations, like that's like a microcosm of like what the real process is to get something approved by the FDA. It's years out. It's years out. That's my point. My, my, my point being is that once it would go to Schedule 3, the FDA would have jurisdiction. That's the biggest thing that changes in regards with cannabis enforcement. And the FDA regulates everything by the molecule as opposed to the substance. And therefore, they are going to say anything with THC can only be delivered by a pharmacist. And therefore, every single store is, is, is pretty much done. Well, they're saying you can't do it now. I understand yeah. that. I, I I agree with you on this. I, I I agree with you on this. But having the DEA is already tabled off, right? With yeah. with with Blumenhauer McClintock, okay. Yeah. And so that's our own. The, that's the one enforcement mechanism that we sure. have ha, ha, have on us. Now we'll be bringing in the FDA as a new enforcement mechanism, and we don't have 
a Blumenauer, McClintock, or a Rohrabacher Farr, or whatever two politicians' names, hopefully it's Matt Gates, uh, puts puts up some type of bill that would prohibit them from regulating in between that time. And so it's going to be a big, big, big problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see, like, down the road, and we're talking years down the road, where we can start to see some pharmaceutical influence on the cannabis space in that in that aspect on the Schedule 3. But right now, like... The federal government doesn't recognize it doesn't matter whether the federal government says uh, only a pharmacist can do this from tomorrow forward. All your stores are still going to be running because the not, federal if the government, state, not if the state changes their positions. Well, that, that's a different argument. That's, that, 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 but that's a very real possibility. Well, that, that w- I don't think the citizens of California real, would. It's would, a very would real that. possibility. Bro. But it is. You're, you're it's a real possibility. Right. It's a real possibility if the state went and changed. And there's some. Real like buyer's remorse going on in in some localities and jurisdictions about yep. state legal cannabis. Exactly. Um, so listen, nothing's off the table, but there's a lot that has to happen before those those doomsday predictions come through on the schedule three. But uh, we we, we got to get to your story, Luke. We're almost at time today. We got to we got to get to your story. Are you ready? Yeah. All awesome. Right. Okay, so you know, live like, oh yeah, live in studio, like. You know, like, on the Hyatt 9 News, I'm your outlaw correspondent. Anything that goes on, everybody loves a good, like, international cannabis smuggling story and things like that, right? We don't like the end part usually where people end up going to jail, but, you know, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of what, what happens in the cannabis market today. It's, it happens in what's going on in our country and mass incarceration. So, you know, hey, look, you got to pay when you play. Hopefully we can get that that consequence off the table very soon. So uh, my story comes to you from Ireland, and it's woman charged with over seven hundred and forty thousand euros worth of drugs seized at an airport. She thought she was transporting handbags. She told the court it was allegedly accused that she had two suitcases and they were as it was a deliberate attempt to conceal thirty seven kilograms of cannabis. A London woman was arrested at the Dublin airport over a over the cannabis seizure from a flight from the U.S. where she thought she was transporting handbags, a, a court heard. Mother of one, Yehilda Johnson, age 26, who, was no, who has no fixed address in Ireland, was arrested at Dublin airport at, uh, at the weekend and charged with unlawful importation and possession of drugs and having them for sale and supply. Garda Tom McLaughlin... I don't know if it's relation to the Tom that we got out here, but if it is, hey, you got a brother over there, Tom. So guarded Tom McLaughlin objected to the bail when the accused appeared at the Dublin District Court. He alleged the accused had two suitcases and there was a deliberate attempt to conceal all 37 kilograms of cannabis. The court heard that she flew from New York's JFK airport and was due to get the connecting flight to London on Sunday. Sounds like somebody tapped in at the trap in New York. Garda McLaughlin believed Ms. Johnson was a clear and immediate flight risk. In cross-examination, the Garda said that the accused said she thought she was transporting handbags and never touched cannabis. The officer agreed with defense counsel Carl Monahan that the case would likely go forward to the circuit court. The barista submitted that his client could wait two years until her trial. The court heard she lived in all her life in London and previously worked in a hotel, spa, and coffee shop. The woman pleaded for bail and said, I'm innocent. 
she told the court, as she lived with family members and she would return to Ireland to prove her innocence. Um, yeah, so like, listen, people still go to prison for weed. People still go to prison for weed. Even if you get New York weed, that's so-so. You'll still go to prison for that weed, too. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like like I said, like we, we, we all enjoy the, the fruits of these markets sometimes and the struggles of these markets, but we forget, like, in some places, you know, it's, it's a real-life thing that you end up in a cage behind cannabis. 37 kilograms. I don't know how that translates into, like, 800 you know, 740 euros, 740,000 euros. That's like, what is that? Like a, like a million dollars for 37 keys. I, that must've yeah, been some like top, top grade New York weed or something. I don't they know. Were getting, like, they were getting a yeah. hundred pounds an eighth. value. <laughs> at. God. But yeah, yes. I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it back to you guys on this one, man. Tell me what you think. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, it's still going down. It's still the wild West. It's Europe is still locking people up. For uh, New York weed, you know, you know where this lady went wrong. You know where her whole her whole mess up is in this whole story, right? Is she? She, she no, no, no. <laughs> she 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 took the saying "secure the bag" far too literally. Oh God! Mm. <laughs> she did not. She did not secure yes. the bag. She did not. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like she the bag. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, seven hundred forty thousand euros is uh, just under eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, at current exchange rates. So what? what would so I've like had 10, so many people come I don't know into my calculator, my but I don't know what it is, but it's it's outrageous. I've had so many people come into my office and sit down and give me that line of bullshit, and you shut the door and go, "Don't fucking lie to your lawyer, okay? Don't fucking lie to your lawyer." And you go, "Okay, I was hauling handbags full of fucking weed. Let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Stop it. If you're if you aren't prepared to if you aren't prepared to get spanked for playing the game." Luke, you and others, I do too. Yeah. Like when they show up and you're about to get a whooping, you go, okay, don't fucking lie about it. Take your whooping and go on. Shut your mouth, ride your beef, and move on. She, she 37 kilos, right? 37 kilos. Just to go sell Gucci in fucking London. She so so, so on, on the valuation of 800,000, all right, when you divide that by 37, <laughs> you get you get $21,621 per kilo. Per kilo. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that is man. That's that's that's. that's I'll tell you what. That's Biden inflation right there. That's definitely Biden inflation. Fire right there. That must have been fire. That couldn't have been no upstate New York stuff. I, I think that's. I think that was some uh, some humble outdoor. So two pounds. Oh, those, those oh, yeah, are those, those twenty-one thousand. You know, the like California farmers kilo, wouldn't be having this problem, Jason. <laughs> What's that? So that, that, that's, that's right in line. That's right in line with New York's uh, alleged pricing. I just, I just wonder. I just wonder, like, since the cops make these valuations, would they buy at those prices? Because if so, like, I got we, some weed. You have like veterans discounts, yeah. and then you have law enforcement increases. Yeah, law enforcement increases. Like, yo, yeah, okay, they, like this. The street value of this eighth is actually two hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here. These guys, I don't understand. The pricing is yes, crazy. This. It's insane. It's insane how they get away with it, producing these It's always numbers. my favorite part of the news report at night, though, when you see, like, oh, we had this bust, and then mm -hmm. I'm like, what was the value? What was mm -hmm. it this time? Speaking of numbers, Rico, do you have a second? Do you I have do. a second, Rico? All right, all right. Well, I have a quick one. All right, Let's all right. Go. Well, here's here, here's a quick one. Here's the final story of the day, guys. I know we're, we're a little bit uh, over time. But uh, Thieves Steal. $9,000 worth of marijuana merchandise from a Queen smoke shop, says the NYPD. 
Police are searching for a group of accused of robbing a smoke shop in Queens on Monday. Police said said the thieves entered Zaza Smoke Shop on Bell Boulevard and threatened a 20-year-old employee working there by displaying a gun. The group stole merchandise and marijuana products worth $9,000, according to authorities, and police said the group fled in a black BMW sedan with a defective headlight. No injuries reported. And uh, they say you can submit tips to police by calling Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. That's T-I-P-S, 8477. Or you can visit Crime Stoppers online or download the NYPD Crime Stoppers mobile app or just text 274637. <laughs> oh text crimes. Do you have any also, personal numbers? And then entering tip 577. And Spanish speaking, uh, oh, callers God. are asked to dial 1 888 PISTA. That's 74782. Fuera Espanol. $9,000 9, worth of products. And Crime Stoppers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love how when products are stolen from cannabis operators, the value is really small. But if it's confiscated via raid, yes. it's so much more valuable. Well, I mean, nine thousand dollars. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I know the bodegas don't keep a lot of a lot a lot of stuff. They keep maybe like a pound or two at the most, in a, in a lot of different varieties in their in the, in their shops. From from what I'm told, so then that way they can protect against against thieves and as well as minimize loss in the event of a raid and whatnot. So listen, why? <laughs> Why does somebody that always wants to like jack a store or something like, why is there like tags bad or their headlights out or something like, like, <laughs> like can't you fix right. one? Like, yeah. Dale, it goes to Borrow like breaking multiple crimes, clip. right? Dale? Like, oh, it, it definitely does. It's like, let's let this guy do it. He's going to get picked up and then hopefully he'll shut his mouth and won't implicate us. It's like so those, um, let's give it a buck though. Like, hey, turn signals never work on BMWs. Yeah. And Hold it's, on. Hey Rico, it's like those old cops episodes where like it pulled the dude over and he'd have like fifty birds in the trunk and bad tags. Let's just let's right. just let's just say this: if right. you're if you're gonna be out like, there on, stealing man. a car, make sure that it's a compliant car. Yeah. <laughs> right. oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. not driving; I'm, I'm traveling. So I'm you- Chevy. <laughs> I like that one, Dale. Oh I like that one, Dale. Dale. Dale totally took himself out of the equation. Did you guys hear him? Yeah. Oh, come back with he's that, a, Dale. Listen, that's, he's a good backpedal. Yeah, Dale knows how to like be like, "What are you guys talking about?" Oh yeah, I don't got nothing to do with yeah. this. Yeah. Well, go, go ahead and tell them what you just said, Dale. They, they need to hear this at home. I I ain't driving. I'm traveling, so you can't fuck with me. Yeah. There we go. Sovereign traveler. Sovereign traveler. There we go. All right, so with that, y'all, we are the top of the hour. Thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the super fan show and love getting their comments posted live on the big screen to our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respective opinions to the table to our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and who we got, oh, Jason, Jason, is it Club 43? House 43. House 43. There you go. In the house. Yeah, house, house. Where Mandy and Luke are in the place in the building today keeping our av struggles to a minimum and of course the lovely jaja simone holding us down on the other platforms too as always cannabis steve l the reason we show up to read these headlines every single day thank you it has been wednesday hump day so humpalicious september 6 2023 the show's over you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow 
you know what? My name is Rico. Let me double sat on the street and um, I'm a cancer. We're going to give it to, to Dale, the man, the myth. Ah, here we go. Socrates famously said, I don't know anything for certain. Uh, and I can't teach you anything. I can only make you think. Then Carl Jung said, thinking's pretty difficult, so most people just judge. So let's go forward. There you go. Let's be a little less judgmental. Let's try to at least like our fellow man. It'd be nice to love each other, but yeah, it may be too much. And remember, the universe is unfolding as it should. So go forth and strive to be happy. Yeah. It's tolerable.